Welcome to the second of our bite-sized briefing podcasts. I'm Zoe Dearmer, a senior associate in the Travis Smith employment team. And I'm Elliot Roberts, an associate in the team. Our bite-sized briefings are short podcasts designed to give you a basic overview of different areas of employment law. Perfect for getting up to speed for those newer to employment law, or as a refresher for those with more experience. Today's briefing is the second episode in our redundancy series. We're going to pick up where Anna and Adam left it to discuss how to complete the collective consultation process. Anna and Adam looked at the trigger to start collective consultation and who should be consulted with. Once the start of collective consultation is known, it's also important for business planning and legal reasons to consider how long collective consultation will go on for. That's right. It's important to consider how long will be needed for collective consultation at a minimum from the date collective consultation starts. No employees can be dismissed for at least 30 days if you're proposing between 20 and 99 redundancies, and at least 45 days if you're proposing 100 or more redundancies. A lot of people assume that this is a required period for consultation, but the actual obligation is for consultation to begin in good time. That's a bit of a vague term, isn't it? What does that mean? It means you have to allow enough time for fair consultation to take place. A common approach is to look at the date the redundancy is proposed to take effect and count back to ensure there is enough time for a fair and genuine consultation process to take place. This is with a word of warning that consultation should start promptly after the proposals have been made, meaning that it starts early enough for employee reps to influence the proposals before they become decisions, so unnecessary delays should be avoided if possible. And there are certain things you have to cover in your consultation, aren't there, Zoe? That's right. The consultation has to cover ways of avoiding the redundancies, reducing the number of employees to be dismissed, and mitigating the consequences of dismissals. The last two points are clearly about whether all of the redundancies required, the level of redundancy payments that would be made, and other efforts to assist employees such as redeployment or outplacement assistance. In practice, consultation would also usually cover things like the selection criteria you plan to use and how they will be applied, and also whether you would be requiring people to work their notice or pay them in lieu. And you have to consult with a view to reaching agreement about these things, don't you? But what happens if you can't reach agreement? Yes, you have to consult with a view to reaching agreement with the employee reps about your proposals which means you need to approach the consultation with an open mind and genuinely take on board what the employee reps say, but they don't have a right of veto. As long as you've considered what they've said, you can still ultimately make your own decisions, even if you don't have their agreement. Elliot, coming back to the minimum 30 or 45 day periods you mentioned earlier, what if you haven't finished the consultation within the 30 or 45 days? Do you have to continue? Yes, you do. The 30 or 45 day period is a minimum, not a maximum, so your consultation may need to be longer. If you get to the end of the 30 or 45 days and there still is a lot to talk about, you would need to continue the consultation. This is subject, of course, to my point earlier that you don't need to reach agreement with the employee reps. But on the flip side, you can also finish consultation early, can't you? Yes, you can. Collective consultation can actually finish before the 30 or 45 days is up. For example, if the consultation is fairly straightforward and there's not much to talk about. You would usually want clear confirmation from the employee reps that they are happy to end a consultation early and there is nothing more to consult about. 
if you get this, notices of dismissals can be issued before the 30 or 45 days is up, but the actual dismissals cannot take effect until after the end of the 30 or 45 day period. Now, you may be thinking that collective consultation goes for quite a long time and sounds pretty comprehensive, but collective consultation is not a substitute for individual consultation, is it, Elliot? That's right, Zoe. You still need to do individual consultation with employees at risk on top of your collective process. There might be issues which impact on a particular individual only. For example, their scores on selection criteria or suitable alternative roles. While there are obviously penalties for failing to consult collectively, if the employer fails to consult individually as well, it could face liability for unfair dismissal, which can also be very costly. But you don't necessarily need to wait until the end of collective consultation to do your individual consultation, do you, Zoe? No, you may be able to do some individual consultation in parallel with your collective process. For example, if the reps have agreed the selection criteria, you can get on and consult individuals on their selection scores while reps continue discussing other collective issues like redundancy payments. Zoe, sometimes an employer might not be able to consult collectively because there isn't time, for example, in an insolvency situation. Would this be a defence to any claims? Well, there is a defence known as the special circumstances defence, which you might try to use in something like an insolvency situation, but in practice it's really difficult to rely on. The tribunals and courts have made it clear that it has to be something which is a bolt from the blue, so completely unexpected. And even insolvency usually isn't enough because the employer normally has had some time leading up to the insolvency where they can see the need to reduce costs and could have planned redundancies. Also, there have been cases where a parent company has made a decision resulting in redundancies at a subsidiary, so there was no time for the subsidiary to consult, but this wasn't considered special circumstances either. So even if you don't have time to do a full consultation, it would be wise to do as much as you can, including, and importantly, filing a form HR1. What about COVID? Would that be special circumstances, given it was so unexpected? It's a good question. It probably could. It depends on the individual situation and things like whether government funding could have been accessed. The furlough scheme makes it less likely employers can rely on special circumstances because it has given employers more time to plan. So, Elliot, if you can't rely on the special circumstances defence and you haven't complied with your collective consultation obligations, it can be quite costly, can't it? Yes, that's right. Employee reps can bring a claim for what's called a protective award, which is an award of up to 90 days pay per affected employee. The tribunals have said this is punitive rather than compensatory, so you could be required to pay even if employees don't suffer any loss. And the courts have also said that you start with the maximum and only work down from there if there are mitigating factors. For example, if there has been some form of consultation. And these claims are not claims that can be settled under a settlement agreement, are they? That's right. Unlike claims like unfair dismissal or discrimination claims, collective consultation claims cannot be settled under a settlement agreement. These claims can only be settled through conciliation by ACAS, so you would need to have ACAS involved if you want to settle any protective award claims. That brings us to the end of this podcast. We talked a little bit about individual consultation earlier, and that's something we'll pick up in our next podcasts. So do be sure to tune into episode three, when we will talk through the individual consultation process, covering things like pooling and selection. In the meantime, thanks for listening to episode two of our bite-sized briefing podcast series on redundancy. 
If you have any questions, you can get in contact with us through our website. Mm -hmm.